Okay, we have a baby dedication. Woo! If we could have you guys come on up. We got a really family here. And could we have some of Joy's community group to come hang out and come up with them? All of them. Okay, would the Casanos come up? My goodness. Who else? Okay. Jesus? You're not part of the group? What? What, what happened? We're surrounding them with loving care. That's right. Okay. Benjamin, there's Stephen. Okay, it's it's a family affair. Okay. Okay, I'm going to start off with just reminding us that when Jesus was eight days old, his parents took him to the temple to dedicate their son, our Savior, awesome thought, to the Lord. So you guys get to step in the same footsteps as your Savior and bring your daughter before the temple, before his people, to dedicate Tatum to the Lord. That's awesome. Okay, so we're really privileged to do this. This is an uh, invitation of our participation with them in um, raising their little ones and in helping them grow up to be awesome parents. And uh, we're excited to be a part of that. Okay. Okay, this is Tatum Faith Newton. And... I think we've got the information up there. I've got, well, I got glasses on everything. Tatum means cheerful, bringer of joy. And faith is unquestioning trust and complete trust in God. And I can't read that verse, but maybe you can. I bet you can't either. <laughs> For this reason, since the day we heard about you. Anyway, I'm sorry. Colossians 1. I I don't know. How about 34 font next time? Let's see. But that's all right. We'll work on it. Anyway, this is a... Can you... Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Colossians 1. For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowing of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Wow. wow. That's awesome. You got that all, Tayton? We're going to download that. Here. <laughs> We're going to sync. Okay? We're going to sync with the Bible. Anyway, thank you. That was cool. Well, one of the things that we do as a part of these dedications is to invite the family, making a commitment to raise this little one according to his heart and plans, and as well to invite y'all to walk with them in this journey of care for their little ones. And so we are thrilled to be able to do that in this season that they're with us, which is going to be really long. (laughs) 
Somebody throw a lasso around them. Uh, they're here actually um, working construction uh, temporarily, uh, supposedly, but they've been, how long you been here already? Two years in May, temporarily. So we just want it to temporary to last another three or four. We love them. They're a great family, and uh, it's been a thrill to have them. So with that, I just want to bring this charge. Do you guys promise to fulfill the Father's will to love and care for this little one and to offer yourselves as living sacrifices to him and to her to lead her in the way that she should go? All right. And do you guys, as the congregation that for this season is with them, do you promise as well to walk beside them and to journey and to love this little one? All right. With that, then let's just pray the Father's blessing on this little Tatum and this family and Mr. Logan too. Father, we do uh, speak great grace. Lord, that passage, there's there's nothing... uh, else practically that can be said. Lord, we welcome the fulfillment of that passage into her life. Father, I ask that that would uh, become a life verse for her. Yeah, you want to say something? Okay, sorry. Anyway, um, Father, we just welcome that to be a life verse, that truly those would be the things. Oh, she's smiling at Clara. That's what she's doing. Oh, yeah. Lord, thank you for this little one. Yep. And thank you that you are going to cultivate her into a mighty woman of God. Thank you, Father. I always pray a blessing upon their parents that you give them warrior hearts, Father, hearts that are after you all the days of their life, that they would finish their, way, their race well, and that their kids will call both of them. You have been blessed parents to us. And thank you for showing us the way to our Savior. And, Father, we pray um, healing upon um, their bodies, um, that they would be lacking in nothing physically. They would be fulfilled in your purposes and in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace to you guys. Thank you all. All y'all. Need these things a little little closer here to my my weird new glasses. But if I bob my head up and down, it's because they're progressives and i got to find where they're in focus. Because now they're in focus on you and then they're not on the notes. Anyway, for the past year or so, we have been talking about the kingdom of God and particularly the last few months, we've been discussing how do we walk in the footsteps of Jesus? How do we live the kind of life that he lived, saying and doing the kinds of things that he said and did. And I would just like to suggest that throughout the Bible and the life of Jesus are statements, declarations, principles about the kingdom life that help us to be able to grasp what it means to truly seek first God's kingdom and to live our lives under and within the rule and reign of God. Now, we've been teaching particularly about Jesus and the kingdom for some time as a part of that. We set the stage for these kingdom um, keys, so to speak, by talking about the kingdom of God. But I just want to highlight uh, something again. We've, we've understood from Jesus' teaching that the kingdom of God arrived, that it came in and through Jesus' life, 
his ministry, his death, his resurrection, as well as in the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that the kingdom of God is now present. The Jews didn't understand what that was coming. They were expecting a one-day time, the end, now we're all in heaven. But what Jesus came and did was he set in motion by bringing the kingdom of God, and it is at work even to and through today, while yet this evil age continues. So we have a parallel situation going on. The evil age is still present. People still get sick. People still die. People still lie and cheat and steal and all that terrible stuff. At the same time, the presence and power and person of God is manifest in our world today. So it has been and it is now present. But where is it? What does it look like? How do we recognize the kingdom of God? For most of us, when we think of a kingdom, most often we think of a geographical realm, like the United Kingdom. There's a a realm. At one time, they had places all over the world that their realm reached out to. But now at this point, well, there's still a few territories or things. But primarily, we think of Great Britain... um, Ireland and Scotland as being a part of the United Kingdom. There's a geographical place there. There's the United States is a geographical realm, and we, of course, know that. Did you know that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, that the Saudi Arabia is considered a kingdom? But the kingdom of God is not like that. It's not geographical. The kingdom of God has to do with the rulership and the will of King Jesus who told us to pray, welcoming the kingdom of God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So I would suggest that wherever the rule and will of God is in effect, the kingdom of God is present. So I, I, just, just a, a thought, just to remind us, no matter what these keys are that we're talking about, they, they, these keys be unlock and open up to us this concept, this presence of the kingdom, which is God's rule and will. So I would suggest that when hungry children are fed in Jesus' name, the kingdom of God is there. When a group of Christians fix the roof on an elderly woman's house in Jesus' name, then the kingdom of God is there. When a mother or father prays with their frightened child after the child has woken up from a scary dream at night, the kingdom of God is there. When a follower of Jesus spends their lunchtime listening to a co-worker share about the pain in their life, and that follower of Jesus comforts and prays for that person, then the kingdom of God is there. When a follower of Jesus turns off a movie or the TV or the computer because they know that that content saddens the heart of God, the kingdom of God is there. When a follower of Jesus makes time to connect with God, the kingdom of God is there. So where is the kingdom of God. It is wherever the will and heart of God are expressed. What does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like God's followers submitting to and expressing God's heart and will. How do we recognize the kingdom of God? We recognize it by seeing people doing things and saying things and living lives that look like Jesus. Whenever and wherever we see the will and the heart of God being expressed, the kingdom of God is there. So it's not geographical. It can break in at any moment. It can happen any place in the world. It can even happen in your house. It doesn't just happen to be here at church. It can be on the workplace. It can be wherever we welcome 
the will and heart of God. And when we do, His kingdom comes. One of the places that God wants us to seek and to be aligned with and live in His kingdom is the area of stewardship. So as a part of identifying and living out these keys to kingdom living for the past few weeks, we have been talking about the key of stewardship. Stewardship, we said, is not just money. It does incorporate that, but it's much, much bigger than that. Stewardship is managing and overseeing something that isn't our own. It's understanding why we're here on the earth. It's fulfilling the purpose for which God has made us. And we identified a number of biblical principles of stewardship. The first principle of stewardship was that God owns everything. God owns everything. There's nothing that is not within the framework of his ownership. Jesus said, all authority over heaven and earth has been given to me. There isn't anything left out of that. There is even authority over evil and over Satan and his realm. We see that. We saw that in the life of Jesus. And it is his interest and desire that we would walk in that same authority. Not begging him, but partnering with him, speaking his kingdom to be a part of our lives. The second principle of stewardship is that we are managers of what God owns. Stewardship, therefore, involves managing every area of our life, our time, our money, our family, our home, our gifts, our talents, our work, our resources, our friends, everything. We've been called to be stewards of what God owns. God owns everything So that incorporates everything. We also talked about, uh, when Scott Ternagel was here, he talked about how uh, this includes stewarding God's rule and reign in and through our lives. So this ability to welcome the kingdom of God, the ability to pray and invite God's kingdom to come in a moment, in a situation, in our lifetime, is a part of our stewardship. And then last week we talked particularly about the stewardship of money, We looked at some attitudes and understandings about money. We said that money, is the Bible would teach us, is not the goal. Money is a test. It can be a trap. And it brings responsibility. Now this week I want to go a little bit further on this topic of stewardship of money by looking at another area where we have the opportunity to welcome and to submit to the will and heart of God. And that's the area of tithing. But before we head there, let's pray. Father, I uh, welcome you to have your way right now. I welcome you to be in charge of this meeting and this time. That your will, that your heart would be accomplished. That you would make connection with each one of us here. And that we would welcome your will. Father, we long for success in life, named and titled and uh, lived out in lots of different kinds of ways. But the only true success is living within the realm of your kingdom. And so I welcome you now. Lead us and teach us how to live in your kingdom, including in this area of our finances and particularly tithing. Father, ask for our guests that are here that... Uh, they would be stirred to love with you. Lord, that they wouldn't hear a formula, that they wouldn't hear a program, 
that they would meet your heart. Lord, your heart is expressed in this area of tithing. Your love for us is expressed. Might we hear that and learn that and see it. In Jesus' name. This week, as well as next week, I want to help us better understand this area of tithing and giving so that knowing the will and the heart of God, we can live in his kingdom and experience the benefits that he has provided for us when we live within his rule and his will. And I do want to make this comment. Um, Some of you know this, but a lot of you don't. I actually personally sing with the San Antonio Symphony Choir. And next Sunday evening, Palm Sunday, we have a performance at 7 o'clock. And so I need to be out of here a little bit earlier than normal. So we are reorienting the schedule of the service next week. So if you're accustomed to coming near the end of worship, you'll have missed half my message. Next week, we're going to start with uh, a song and open the service that way. And then I'm going to teach. Then we'll do worship. And then Clara will conclude and bring... And there was an email on this, but uh, my, my daughter, worship leader, is looking at me like, you've got to be kidding, Dad. Anyway, that's what we're, she got it. She got it. That wasn't what she was saying to me with those eyes. She was saying, I love you, Dad. You're cool. I'm sure that's what it was. Anyway, um, that would, so if you're, again, if you're accustomed to, you know, if you want to miss my message and just come for worship, you can do that too. But your call on that. So anyway, I want to, the way I want to, kind of tackle this is by answering some questions that many might have about this topic. I think, um, you know, one of the challenges that we face with the the topic of tithing and and any topics relative to money is that we're misinformed or or not adequately informed. And so I want uh, that to be a part of our time together so that each of us can understand what God's heart is and why this is here, and what the outcome is. So, where does tithing come from? In the Old Testament, God gave laws, he gave instructions to his people, the Jews, on how to live to experience success in life. How to live within the kingdom of God and experience the fullness of God's provision. And when they did, life was awesome. And when they didn't, life was terrible. Read the book, Old Testament. It's full of times when there's these high times of, of, of being a part of the kingdom of God. You know, he's supplying all this food and all this stuff. And, and then there's times of great decline where they weren't submitting and participating in the kingdom of God. So these instructions that God gave included things about government, uh, commerce, relationships, religion, basically all aspects of life. And one of the directives for kingdom living that God gave to his people was the tithe. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. Holy meaning set apart for the Lord. So where does tithing come from? It comes from these directives for kingdom living that God gave particularly at the beginning uh, with his people, of how to live successfully. What is the tithe? In Deuteronomy, Moses presents the tithe. Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 through 25. He gives pretty clear instruction. He says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. 
This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Now the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored might be a long way from home. And if so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds and take the money to the place that the Lord your God chooses. Now sometimes when people talk about tithing in the church, they equate tithing with giving. Just whatever it is that that we give. So it's time for the tithe, so we pull out our wallet and we give something. We Many would equate that. But to tithe means in that situation for those who think that, it's now time for our tithes and offerings. Oh, they think it's time to give. But a more accurate way to understand is to think it's time for tithes and offerings. Oh, it's time to give my tithe and any special offerings I want to give. And I'm going to be highlighting more of that next week. The word tithe means tenth, ten percent. In Old Testament times, the people were primarily farmers, ranchers, and what they produced was earned through produce and livestock. And what God asked of his people was to give or return to him the first 10% of all of their income, everything that came into their house, whether it was produce, whether it was livestock. Now, in the passage we read, it said that if the place where they were to take their tithe was too far away, then they were allowed to sell the tithe portion of their produce and livestock and to bring and donate the money rather than the goods. Not to keep it, not to use it. Oh, the place is too far away, so just sell the stuff and use the money. No, you can sell it in order for to complete your responsibility for the tithe. In our day and age, most of us earn money. Therefore, for most of us, our tithe is going to be in the form of money. Now, there have been a few members who've grown fruits and vegetables. Periodically, we've received some produce as uh, someone's tithe. We were offered rabbits once uh, by the McKay family, and I turned them down. Um, (laughs) Because 10% would soon become 100%. (laughs) And I wouldn't know what to do with them. (laughs) So... A tithe is 10% of our income that is to be returned to God. So what is the purpose of the tithe then? A couple of weeks ago, we began this topic of stewardship, and we said that everything belongs to God and that we're managers or stewards of what is His. So, and, And a question that I've wanted us to consider as we've been going through this series is, how am I doing at being faithful to steward well the things God has given me to manage? Whatever it is, and we've, we've already identified that we're to steward everything. You know, your use of your car, your clothing, your life, your health. All of these things come under this realm of stewardship. Now, God, as you can imagine, is very interested to help us learn this principle. He's very interested to help us learn to steward well his stuff and to make him first in our lives. So he developed a lesson plan for us to help us do that. And that lesson plan is the tithe. So in the verse we read from Deuteronomy, it said the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Now, we're familiar with the passage, seek first the kingdom of God, and God will take care of all of your needs. That's what Jesus declared. We're familiar with that one, but what does that look like? How does that 
work. That's where some of us wrestle, legitimately so. What does it mean? I've already described at the very beginning that what that means is to welcome the will and the rule and the reign of God, His heart, to be expressed in your life and in my life. That's what inviting the kingdom of God. But here is an opportunity to learn how to seek first the kingdom of God. This is the lesson plan that he has given to us. So the purpose of the tithe is to teach us to put God first in our lives. To teach us to seek first the kingdom of God. It's the curriculum. It's the training program for learning to put God first in our lives. So that's the purpose. Now, what portion of our income are we to give? Are we to give the first part or the last part? Now, tithing is a challenging lesson for all of us to learn. Some people say it's just too hard or that's just too much. Or they simply decide not to do it. Others think, well, I'd like to honor God that way, so I'll go ahead and pay my bills and do what I need to do. And if there's any money left over at the end, then I'll give God his part. Now, I don't know about you, but for our family, for a long time, there was rarely anything left over at the end to do that. So God has established that the tithe is to be the first part of our income, not the last. We get a paycheck and the first 10% of that. There is a question of net and gross there. I'm not going to address that right at the moment. Uh, I will just say this. I believe it's everything. It's what I understand. In Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the author quotes God as being very disappointed with his people over a number of things. One of those things was how the people were handling their tithes and offerings. So Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then skipping to verses 13 through 14. A son honors his father, a servant honors his master. I am your father and master, yet you don't honor me, and you despise my name. Who? Us, you say? When did we ever despise your name? God speaking again. When you offer polluted sacrifices on my altar. Polluted sacrifices? When have we done a thing like that? God says, every time you say, don't bother bringing anything very valuable to offer to God. You say, lame animals are all right to offer on the altar of the Lord. Yes, even the sick and the blind ones. Can't sell those. Can't use them for multiplication purposes. They're sort of the dregs. They're the leftovers. They're the kind of runts. Let's give those to God. That'll work, right? God says, no, thank you. And you claim this isn't evil. Try it on your governor sometime. Try paying your taxes that way and see how pleased he is. You say, oh, it's too difficult to serve the Lord and do what he asks. And you turn up your noses at the rules he has given you to obey. Think of it. Stolen animals. That's a good idea. You steal an animal and then you give that to God. That works, right? Go out and steal some money. We can put that into the tithe. That really works. Just 10% of it. Yeah, you get to cleat the other 90. <laughs> we won't talk about uh, the $26 million lottery that's currently available. Anyway, stolen animals, lame and sick as offerings to God. Should I accept such offerings as these? Asked the Lord. Cursed, cursed is that man who promises a fine ram from his flock 
and substitutes a sick one to sacrifice to God. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be mightily revered among the Gentiles. Interesting statement there. This whole tithe thing is tied to the Jews and is tied to evangelism. Just a thought. Now, it's been a while since anyone around here put a cow in the offering that had a broken leg or a lamb that was blind or a catfish with only the head, tails, and bones. They'd already gotten the meat off. But it is very common for people to drop five bucks or ten or even twenty into the offering. Now, a question that is before those who do that is, are you giving God your best or are you giving God a lame sacrifice? Now, before you get up and walk out, listen, if you would. I'm not saying that if you give $5, $10, or 50 cents, that that is too little, or in and of itself, that that's lame or worthless to God. I am, however, asking you to ask yourself, if God owns everything, and you're the steward of what is His, Are you giving God your best, or is he getting a token offering? Mark chapter 12, Jesus um, gives us a little bit of understanding about this. One day Jesus and his disciples were hanging out around the temple. They did that a lot. And Mark tells us Jesus, sitting across from the offering box, was observing how the crowds tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came along, however, and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, hey, guys, take a look at this. The truth is that this poor widow has given more, more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave what she couldn't afford. She gave all she had to live on. Do you remember earlier we said that the purpose of the tithe is to teach us to put God first in our lives? It's the lesson plan of God. Putting God first has to do with trusting him and living in dependency upon him. That's what that woman was doing. All I got left, let's put all of it in. Cha-ching. When we give what we'll never miss... Or what is less than significant, are we evidencing trust in God or trust in ourselves? When we withhold the little we have, are we evidencing trust in God or fear about our future? Are we not really saying in both cases, I have to take care of myself so I'd better only put a little bit in? And in doing that, God says in Malachi that we are offering to him a polluted or a lame sacrifice. So I would advocate that the tithe is to be the first and the best part of our income. Where are we to give our tithes and offerings? Now, I do want to acknowledge that this question is answered differently by a variety of different Christians and that what I'm going to share with you is what I understand and believe the Bible to teach. In the Old Testament, God's people were instructed to bring the tithes and offerings to one central location. Deuteronomy chapter 12, a fairly long passage, but I'd like to read it. Listen, if you will. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. 
Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place he himself will choose from among all the tribes for his name to be honored. There you will bring to the Lord your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your special gifts, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your free will offerings, and your offerings to the firstborn animals of your flocks and herds. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord. That's why we're going to have a party next week. We're going to feast in the presence of the Lord. And you will rejoice in all that you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. Today, you are doing whatever you please, but that is not how it will be when you arrive in the place of rest the Lord your God is giving you. You will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. And when he gives you rest and security from all your enemies, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and we'll talk a little bit about some of these different kinds of offerings next week your special gifts, your offerings to fulfill a vow, to the place the Lord your God will choose for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there with your sons and daughters and all your servants in the presence of the Lord your God and remember the Levites who live in your towns for they will have no inheritance of land as their own. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere. You may do so only at the place the Lord your God will choose within one of your tribal territories. And there you must offer your burnt offerings and do everything I command you. That was common practice among the various peoples of that day to have many different places to sacrifice and to worship their God. As you read the Old Testament, especially like Second Kings, Second Chronicles, you'll hear the term the high places. Um, that term is referencing usually physically high places on mountaintops or things where the pagan deities were worshipped. And throughout, first, throughout Second Kings and Second Chronicles, the kings are being invited to tear those down, but they leave them in place. These other places where they're giving worship. God is to be number one. He is to receive the only. There is only one God. But that was the t- And the Israelites followed in that thing. Some of that had to do with, of course, the fact that most of the peoples that day were polytheistic, meaning they worshipped a variety of different gods, so there were a variety of locations for them to do that. The Jews, however, were monotheistic and were to worship God, to worship Yahweh, the one and only God, in one place. Therefore, they were instructed to bring their tithes and offerings to one place, which was the temple. In Malachi, the prophet says to the people, Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse of the temple so that there may be food in my house. Food representing provision, the ability to be able to dispense and care for needs. In Christianity, we too worship one God. But realistically, we would all agree there is not a one designated place for all Christians to worship at least not until we all get to heaven, and then it will be at his feet. I don't know how we're all going to fit there, but I know I'm heading to the front. Claire and I always like sitting on the front. I hope you will as well. Anyway, Malachi, the prophet, says to the people, bring it all in. So what do we do? Okay, there isn't a one place, but just as the Jews were not to go from place to place to worship God, I would advocate that people, that it's best for us to have 
a place of worship where we both receive ministry and training and give through service. There is a very profound uh, situation in our society for people who have multiple churches. They go to this church for that and that church for this and this church for that. And I'm not saying that training and equipping and those kinds of things aren't good. They're fine and would encourage that. It's a part of the, the process. But on a weekly basis to go switching back and forth, Sunday night here, Wednesday there, uh, is not the most helpful. But I do believe that the Bible would teach it's best for us to have a place of worship where we are primarily connected to receive and give and have community. And that this then would be that one place where we're to bring our tithes and offerings. The truth is, there's no question that if every attender and member tithed to their local church that they attend, that the church would have sufficient Sufficient resources to care for its members, sufficient resources to pay its workers and staff, provide adequate facilities for its programs to be able to serve and care for the community in a profound way. There's just no question. But the challenge is is that most people do not tithe. In fact, statistically, about 20% of church attenders give 80% of the money. And that's not just because a few are well-to-do and so they're covering it all. The issue is, is there's an awful lot of 5 and 10 and $20 situations. Which brings us to, I would suggest, our, the last question for tonight. What happens if we do not tithe? The second to the last question. I've got one more after this. Earlier we looked at Malachi 1 where God shared his disappointment with his people about their bringing less than their best to him as an offering. Later in Malachi 3, God brings even a more serious indictment against his people And at the same time, he shares an incredible promise. Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Ever since the days of your ancestors, this is now quite a number of years. The previous quote from Deuteronomy was back before they'd even conquered the land, before they'd gone in. It was while they still had Moses and Joshua. And now, a few hundred years later, a number of hundreds of years later, Uh, This declaration from the book of Malachi. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? God speaking. Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? God's response, in your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food, provision in my house. And thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an over flowing blessing. I will rebuke the locust for you so that it will not destroy the produce of your soil and your vine in the field shall not be barren, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will count you happy. Evangelism. There it is again. The tithe is connected to evangelism. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. You will turn the eyes of those who don't know God because of your following him and living within the kingdom principles that he has given us, you're going to have success. You're going to have fulfillment of all that he longs for us to have. The people of Israel, like many of us today, were fearful 
Some of us are self-reliant. They didn't trust God to meet their needs, so they withheld the giving of their tithes and offerings. Instead of giving the full 10%, they said in their hearts, no, we're not going to give that much. And God's response to them was, you're robbing me, and you're cursed with a curse for robbing me. And I don't know about you, but that just does not sound good. Sounds kind of scary. So let's consider for a moment, what is this curse and where does it come from? In Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, we're told that one of the consequences of humankind's rebellion against God's rulership and withholding the tithe would be, in that vein, rebellion, we're told that the ground became cursed. And let me tell you, I know all about the ground being cursed. I spent six hours pulling weeds out of my lawn yesterday and another three or four this morning. I had this. Anyway, the ground is cursed. Guaranteed. Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Cursed is the ground because of you. Did God do it? Is it God's fault that, the, that I had to pull weeds today? No. Cursed is the ground because of your rebellion. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Yes, it was painful toil to me today. It will produce thorns and thistles and weeds for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Now, prior to their rebellion against God's rule, they didn't have to work for food. They simply picked it off the zillions of trees that God had provided for them. Let's see, what would I like to have for breakfast this morning? Let's have it from this one. What do you want for lunch today, hon? Let's go have this one. It was incredible. No work. Just pluck. Good stuff. How many would like that again? I would. But their sinful rebellion, their desire and decision to say, you know what, God, I'm not so sure about your kingdom. I think maybe I'd like to be in charge around here. I think maybe I know a little bit more than you do about how to run this world. Nah, not. So as a result, all of us now experience a broken world, which includes the law of atrophy, which is that things are in a constant state of breaking down. Anyone related to, anyone know anything about a constant state of broken, that's the law of atrophy, atrophy, I got to look at, atrophy, thank you. My body's doing that. My washing machine does that. My hands today feel like it. As a result of sin in the world, as a result of rebellion against God's kingdom rule, we live under a curse. And when we choose to not follow God's kingdom principles, we step out from under the umbrella of God's protection and experience the fallenness and brokenness of our world. So the curse that we experience for robbing God is living outside of his kingdom protection so that our stuff breaks and doesn't last as long. We lose things more often and can't find them. We don't get the bonuses and the salary increases that we wish. And where this curse comes from is our broken world and Satan himself. This is not, God just doesn't go, okay, you didn't tithe this week, so I'm going to curse you this week instead of bless you. It doesn't have anything to do with that. We don't tithe this week and we, 
experience the greatness of the brokenness of our world. That's what I believe he's talking about there. Listen to this. John 10.10, Jesus describes Satan as a thief. The thief comes only to steal, kill, break your washing machine, flood your house. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. God's plan and desire for us is not for our stuff to break and our money to fall short, but to provide for us super abundantly. And his promise, if we tithe, was right there in Malachi 3. Bring in the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, provision, and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. I will rebuke the locust for you so that it will not destroy the produce of your soul. Your vine in the field shall not be barren, says the Lord of hosts. Basically, God is saying, if you will tithe, if you'll live within my kingdom provision, I will abundantly bless you and extend special protection over you. And that's my testimony. I, I can't tell you how many times in the last year I've lost a bunch of stuff. I'm 49, I'm turning 50, the brain is, gray matter is doing what it's doing in this natural atrophy. But I tell you, I am finding most of the time the things I'm losing. Recently, last two weeks ago, I lost my, my one pair of prescription glasses that were wonderful for me for reading my computer screen. Just worked perfect. Lost them. I was working in the garage, changing out my broken hot water heater that I got back for free. Woo-hoo! Didn't have to pay a thing. Just a little bit of sweat and tears and Mercy and Priscilla and I lifting it back up. And I went back out there a week later to check on something. I was working in the hot water heater. And I knocked some stuff off a little shelf that was up there, put it all back, went out to my car, came back, and there were my glasses laying on the floor. I'd been missing them for 10 days. There they were. I, I just That has been the truth of what I have experienced. Now, are there things I've lost? Yes, absolutely, there's things I've lost. I don't want to say that this is magical. I want to remind us that God's kingdom... That his kingdom protection is here, it's in the future, and it's not yet. Even if we tithe and live faithfully God's kingdom principles, our bodies are still going to wear out. Our hair is still going to fall out. We'll still gain weight if we eat too much. We'll still have to put gas in our cars, which will eventually have to be replaced. And on and on goes the decay and the atrophy. But God promises his faithful care if we will live out his kingdom principles. How do we be successful in life? How do we follow in the footsteps of Jesus? How do we experience the fullness of life that we all long for? We need to align ourselves with kingdom principles, keys to kingdom living. And this is one of those. Next week, I want to conclude uh, these talks on stewardship. I want to look at a, a few more questions about the tithe. Where are the tithes and offerings? What are they supposed to be used for? Are pastors to tithe on the income they receive from the church? Did Jesus, and I think probably one of the most crucial ones, did Jesus teach where to tithe? Are we not also under grace and not the law? And what should our attitude be about giving? Also next week, um, at the conclusion of our service, 
uh, Claire and I are going to invite you to make a commitment, a financial commitment. In your programs uh, today, you should find, David, can I borrow that for a sec? You're going to find this uh, green sheet. And um, this sheet uh, quotes the Malachi 3.10 passage, place for your name, uh, and then particularly a description of the tithe and regular giving and a commitment that you can make to that, that you can declare to God and to us. And then as well, there's a subsection of that relative to some special offerings. And again, next week I'm going to make some distinctions and give you some understanding about the distinction between tithe and special offerings. But what I want us, want you to do this week, kind of in uh, preparation, is I want you to answer these questions. How am I doing at being faithful to steward well the things God has given me to manage? And secondly, am I being faithful to give back to God the first and best of my money? And I want you to take this card home. I want you to pray about it. And I want you to fill it out and complete it and bring it back next week. Now, you're going to notice, again, there's four items down there on the bottom for some special offerings. In brief, I just want to say this. Special offerings that are talked about in the scriptures are freely given contributions that we make to God in special needs that are above and beyond the regular tithe based on our income. A number of years ago, some of you see there's that little box on our program that talks about our financial situation as a church and the debt. And you've, some of you wonder why are we in somebody else's building. <coughs> a number of years ago, we were overextended as a church in the area of salaries. We had brought on additional staff members and that. Um, we were trusting God. There, was, there were special offerings raised to cover some of that. We kept them in place longer than... Uh, we should have, and the net result was about a $28,000 uh, debt that was incurred now four or five years ago. And part of that was Claire's and my own salary. We didn't get paid for four months. And so part of that commitment for that debt that our board made was, we're going to make this up to you, Randy and Clara, because just realistically, for most of you who wouldn't know this, we're carrying those four months on credit card that I keep having to roll over on to 0% interest. Because we don't make enough money to get ahead. Does that make sense? And that provision of four... You try going without you know, income for four months, right? Peg, you're doing great on those credit cards, aren't you? Figuring out where those 0% ones are. So anyway, one of the things that we are inviting you to partner with in a special offering, this is an above and beyond a commitment to the tithe, is a debt reduction. It is our intention and our goal to not be in this facility for the rest of our church life, but to have our own facility again, whether that's something we build or whether that be something that we purchase. And so that's a first step to that is eliminating the debt. It's another fancy financial word for it, but anyway. We also have a number of families in our church that are either out of work or extremely financially pressed, and we want to be able to assist them in this challenging time. So that is a second place that you could give uh, towards. And then uh, there was the mention of the Costa Rica trip. Um, there's <coughs> about 12, 14 or so people, 14, uh, that are looking to do a 10-day missions trip to Costa Rica this uh, coming July, all of whom are seeking support financially from friends and people that love them uh, to partner. And there are a number of those people that are fairly short 
uh, and we want to, that's another place you can give to. The cost per person is $1,400. And so there are uh, people that would like to go that are struggling with uh, that. And then the last one, of course, I mentioned, made the comment about the future facilities. Fourth one uh, would be an opportunity for, uh, if you would like, special offering. Again, it's above and beyond a regular uh, tithe, but an opportunity to give towards that future facilities. These um, free will offerings are that. They are free will. They're special. They're above and beyond the regular offerings based on our income. I don't want anyone to feel any compulsion uh, but to pray and just ask God, God, is there anything here that you would like me to uh, sacrifice for? I'm going to make one other comment. Little story. Um, the idea, if, if you're not someone who is uh, tithing uh, 10% of your income, I am confident that it's, it's a scary thought. And you may leave our church because I've asked you to do it. But I'm okay with that because I am responsible for God and this isn't my truth, it's his truth. And I'll promise you that if you do it, you'll be blessed. That's what the book says. It's what I've experienced and what most here who have, who have done that. Life is not perfect. There's still hurdles. There's still months without work sometimes. <coughs> but God always works as good. Houses still flood. <laughs> but then you get new carpet and new stuff. Hey. <laughs> anyway. Um, but... There is a cost to aligning with God's kingdom. Let's not, you know, make this too uh, sugar-coated. It costs to live in God's kingdom realm. Um, personally, I have a health condition called common variable immune deficiency. That means you can make me sick real easily. I can't get you sick, but you can make me sick. I don't have any production of what are called immunoglobins in my body. There's two things that fight infection in our bodies. There's white blood cells and there's immunoglobins. There's five or seven of five of them, I guess, five different ones. And a number, I have been sick every year of my adult life with pneumonia and bronchitis multiple times during the winter. And two years, three years, three years ago now, I guess, um, I was hospitalized twice for being sick. I was sick for six months, very, very sick. And they, uh, a special doctor finally diagnosed me having common variable immune deficiency. The, um, I remember sitting, Claire and I sitting there talking to the doctor, well, does this ever kick back in? You know, is this something, you know, we can imagine, you know, maybe in two or three years I'll, it'll work again? He goes, I've never seen that, but I'm open to that. So I continue to get prayer, and I'm welcoming God's kingdom to do that. But in the meantime, the provision for me is an infusion of human immunoglobin from donations that people make. And I, it, it's something like a thousand people have to donate sufficient in order for me to get the so many cc's that I get every six weeks. So thank you all who donate blood. I, you know, I don't get specifically probably yours, but I, I do. Here's my point in all that. The cost for that infusion every six weeks is $6,000. Claire and I are left with 10%. Every year, we have out-of-pocket medical costs of about $7,500 a year. But I'm well, and I'm not being sick anymore. I can still get a common cold. I can have a little bit of a, you know, allergy gig, but I am not experiencing that. I share that story to share with you 
that tithing and that commitment might feel like $6,000 for you, might feel like $600 to you. But I tell you, the end result of health and blessing cannot be measured. Let's pray. Father, I am just so thankful that you have given us a lesson plan to learn to put you first. It's not an easy one, but you've given it. And most of us have scratched our head most of the years thinking, seek first the kingdom of God. How do I do that? What's that look like? And Lord, this is a part of what it looks like. It looks like tithing. It looks like trusting you instead of being fearful. And Father, for most people here, we, are, we wrestle with fear. We're trusting something bad to happen instead of trusting you to do something good. And here is the opportunity to look you in the eyes and to hear you say, trust me. Just like you did to Jairus. His daughter had died. The people said, don't bother the master anymore. Joseph, just, um, um, Jairus's mind is swirling. My daughter's died. And Jesus looks at him grabs his eyes and says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Trust me. And then they went together and you raised that daughter. Lord, in a very similar way, many of us look at our checkbooks, we look at our debt, and we think it would be suicide. It would be crazy. There's just no way. I I can't pay the bills now. Giving 10%, you've got to be kidding And yet you say to us, trust me. Father, I ask that this week as we consider you, as we consider seeking first your kingdom, as we consider what does it mean to live the way Jesus lived so that we can walk the way Jesus walked and experience the blessing and the provision of life that you have promised, super abundant life, and see the enemy, the thief, Stop having so much access to us. And I pray that we will consider you well, Lord. And I just ask, Father, for those here that are just caught in fear over their finances, I welcome you to come and look them in the eyes and for them to hear you say, trust me. And then for you to come through, God. Father, you've come through for me so many times. Father, some here are are wrestling like I am with financial costs that are real honestly above and beyond my income level. Some here are experiencing broken things, broken relationships. They're experiencing the atrophy of our world. And you say to each of us, trust me. 
so that's what this is all about, Lord. This is, this is a trust. It's a faith issue. Do we believe you? Are we going to trust you to do something good rather than be fearful of something bad happening? Come, Holy Spirit. Minister to our quaking hearts and our feeble minds. And Father, for those who have faithfully, year in and year out, tithed and given to you, I welcome that blessing upon their heads. I welcome the provision of work and employment. I welcome, Father, the cars going for long times. Lord, I welcome you to just super abundantly bless Cindy McBride. What would take most of us and be seen as tragedy, Lord, turn it around for great good and blessing for her. Just turn the enemy on his head. What the enemy meant for evil, Lord, bring good. Cindy, I'm seeing a picture of you just with your head thrown back, just laughing, full of life and of the love and the goodness of God. Cindy came home on Friday afternoon to her house with six inches of water. And Cindy is a painter. And in one of her rooms were stacked paintings and frames that were all damaged. And uh, she doesn't have any carpet right now. All the carpet's out. Nice carpet tacks all around to find with your toes and her little doggies. And I went over there yesterday and I just... uh, shared with her the love of God and a friend coming alongside brought my gloves but she didn't need me to do anything and I just I just still see that picture Cindy the father is going to do something really really good what the enemy meant for evil take you out take you under he's not going to do it so father I welcome that same story for all of us here Lord, let that be the testimony of every one of us. What the enemy meant for good, Lord, you... What the enemy meant for evil, Lord, you bring good. In Jesus' name. Um, here, it's we're over time. Thank you for your uh, kindness and graciousness. Um, we do want to provide an opportunity to pray for any of you that are here, whether it be uh, a need for physical healing, whether it be just um, relational challenges that you're facing. Uh, We've got folks that would love an opportunity to pray with you and just welcome God's kingdom uh, to be strong in you. Some of you may well be really wrestling with this uh, topic and and what I've shared today. And I'd welcome you to come and just say that to somebody so that they have the opportunity to pray with you. The opportunity to um, come alongside you. Most of those in this room who tithe struggled at one time or another. Many here don't struggle anymore. Some have struggled since. I know some of the stories. I mean, it's, it's, um, but uh, the end result is great glory for God and I believe for us as well. So if you would have any needs whatsoever, we would love an opportunity. Please, please, please remember to be inviting your friends to the party in two weeks. Um, an opportunity to bring people to an event where they're going to experience God, where they're going to experience fun, where they're going to experience friends. 
And while you're here, make sure that you're greeting and being a part of God's evangelistic team of giving love and care to others because that's we'll all be on duty. Everyone will, everyone that's here gets to gets to play that week. So God's grace to all of you. Might you know his presence very nearly and dearly this week. Have a great week.